Hello, this is Aurora, the producer of Lime Ninja Radio. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know that you're going to notice changes in the podcast. You see, we have shifted over to recording episodes on Facebook Live. So what you will be listening to is a live recording that we have uploaded for you to enjoy. Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello and welcome. We had a technical mishap right before I came on. I was throwing my microphone all across the room. But glad to be live here with you. Thanks for joining us. Very excited this evening for episode number 271. We're coming up on six years of doing this. And we have Dr. Poots with us, who's practically a neighbor of mine. She's in central New York terms, right up the road for me. And she's a Lyme literate physician, has all kinds of experience with Lyme disease, cancer, difficult to treat illnesses. She's really a treasure. We're so glad she moved up here from the Stram Center over in Albany. We're lucky to have her with us. And as you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. And we have people joining us from all over the world to listen to our podcast and tune into the Lime Ninja Radio show live. And Aurora, last week, where did we have people tune in from? Well, last week we had people tune in from Santiago, Chile to Ashburn, Virginia and Denver, Colorado to the Bronx. So why don't you, yeah, take a minute, say hello, and type in the comment box, tell us where you're from, so we can say hello. And do you have the top 10 cities? I do have the top 10 cities. All right, let us have them. Coming in at number 10 is Colchester in the UK, Rochester, Minnesota, not to be confused with upstate New York, Rochester. Number eight, Bronx in the New York Uh, Number seven, Hamden, Connecticut. Number six, Denver, Colorado. Number five, Ashburn, Virginia. Number four, Springfield, Massachusetts. Number three, Long Meadow, Massachusetts. Number two, Paris, France. And number one, Santiago, Chile. It's been odd. Paris, France has been in the top one or two now for two months. We can't figure that out. We have have a little fan club going on in Paris. (laughs) So hello, Gretchen. Thanks for joining us. And Margaret, also thank you. Nice Lime, Margaret. I appreciate that from the Lime Challenge. And as you join us, just go ahead and type hello. Tell us where you're from. Heidi, hello from Syracuse. I'm glad you're with us tonight. And Christine. Hi, Christine. How's it going out there in Vermont? See, you got all your maple syrup in. I love seeing your post about the maple syrup. And Jean-Anne. Hi, Jean-Anne. Good to see you again. All right, Aurora, why don't you tell us a little bit more about Dr. Poots? Yeah, Dr. Poots is a hematologist and oncologist who received fellowship training at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and practiced integrative medicine at the Stram Center. Dr. Poots has opened her own practice in her hometown outside of Syracuse, New York, and brings to that practice an integrative approach, including nutrition, herbs, and mind-body therapies. 
And you can learn more about her at her website, imofcny.com. Awesome, Aurora. Thanks so much. And we'll catch up with you in a little bit. Bye-bye. Bye. And we'll bring up Dr. Poots. Hello. Hi, McKay. How are you? Very well. So glad you could join us this evening. Thanks for carving out time in your very busy schedule. Well, thanks for having me. And I'd like to start off by asking you about the differences between where you were downstate at the Stram Center, which is a couple hours east of us, and what you're seeing here in central New York. Is there a difference in Lyme and the co-infections or the presentations, or is it pretty much the same if things evened out? I would say things are very similar. In fact, a lot of our patients when I was at the Stram Center had come from the um, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse area, as there are not many Lyme literate practitioners out in that direction. No, it's kind of you and you. <laughs> From here to where's where's the next one? I don't even know. I haven't run into anyone further west from between us and Buffalo. Is there anybody? I don't think so. Um, yeah. There's somebody in Pennsylvania. So a lot yeah. of times patients with Buffalo will go to Pennsylvania. Well, you, you've saved a lot of people a lot of mileage on their car. So thank you. Thank you for moving up here. <laughs> well, I removed back. So I was from Syracuse and then I went to the nearest integrative medicine center, which was a SRAM center, uh, did a lot of learning there and then brought this back to open up my own practice. So I'm curious for an MD to venture out, A, to not be part of a hospital group these days, mm -hmm. number one. And then number two, to move into functional medicine is, it's kind of like two scary steps there. So what inspired you to say, okay, this needs to be done. I need to get over all the hurdles I'd have to face to do this kind of medicine for the people here in central New York. Well, I think, um, it, you know, the universe is always propelling me where I need to be. And, you know, my, we always have these plans in life and how life is supposed to work. And then it never really works out that way. So all of my life, I was training and practicing to be a hematologist oncologist, did all my training in New York city, ventured up to a, a job, a position in Syracuse at hematology oncology associates of central New York. And that's where I thought I'd be long-term for the, until retirement. But what happened was I struggled in about 2008 with some issues that um, I felt, you know, scientific medicine wasn't really helping me. And I, through a friend, ventured out to explore these integrative modalities. So I personally experienced these things, Reiki, um, deep meditations, um, really, you know, energy medicine. And I've never delved into that before. And I personally experienced it. So I was like a whole door opened up for me and I wanted to bring this to my patients. And that's what really set me off to do um, Scripps Clinic training in integrative medicine. And then I did a two-year fellowship with Dr. Andrew Weil in Arizona. Um, and then I brought all of that learning experience back to my uh, oncology practice. But in that model, um, you can't really practice integrative medicine in the time constraints that we needed. Mm -hmm. So 
that's when I ventured out then to eventually go to the Stram Center, where I could really put these things to work. And I was there as a primarily an integrative oncologist, but as they took care of a lot of patients with Lyme disease, I learned about Lyme disease through uh, the International Lyme and Associated Diseases Society. So my training is very different from an infectious disease doctor. And um, and then what happened was, as the universe so happened to show me that I was struggling with some fatigue and you know difficulty concentrating, and I basically diagnosed my own Lyme disease when I was oh, there. No. So it was really, um, I think, a beautiful thing because I learned about it, and then I was able to take care of myself and um, feel a lot better. And then I brought all of this knowledge and experience back to Syracuse area and opened up my own practice. And so um, I take care of a lot of patients with cancer that are looking for integrative oncology consultations, but also Lyme disease and also just disease processes or illnesses where patients aren't getting answers and they're really not getting the help that they need. So, and that's how the universe has kind of guided me, even though it's not exactly what I had planned. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's kismet, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's funny. It's funny how the universe will do that. It'll either, either give you a nudge. And if you ignore the nudge, it'll hit you upside the head. That's like, right. Like getting, we both have had Lyme disease and it's a major whack upside the head for sure. It is. Yeah. Now you've been doing this for a while. What's your current thoughts on treatment and what do you bring together in your clinic? Because, you know, one size never fits all, especially with Lyme disease. Yeah. And so what, what is the toolbox that you're drawing from? So I'm drawing from my experience and training, but, um, you know, Lyme disease is the Unfortunately, you have these two opposing guidelines or guidelines that are very difficult to merge. And the struggle that I have and patients have many times is finding that happy medium. Okay. And so um, my approach is to hear the patient's story, you know, hear what's going on, let them talk, you know, give them adequate time to talk because I feel what well, that's the major complaint I feel that patients have is I'm not being heard. I'm suffering and I'm not being heard. So I'll review their records, any testing that they had done before, but we'll review it in their words, do some tests. And I, again, I explain the limitations of our testing, which is a big problem. Lyme disease primarily is at most a clinical diagnosis. And we have to follow, you know, what the clinical symptoms are, even if testing is not helping us all the time. Um, and I use herbals and I use conventional therapies such as pharmaceuticals if needed, but it's really catered towards the individual situation and also as how, how severe their situation is. So mm -hmm. I use something kind of a level of functioning scale to tell me, you know, where on that spectrum, how sick they are and whether we can maybe start with herbals or maybe it's quite serious where we need to start with both herbals and antibiotics. Now, when I visited your clinic a month ago, whenever that was, mm -hmm. you were preparing to introduce something I'm absolutely fascinated by. Mm -hmm. So first of all, you took the tour and we saw the, you know, the IV room and the, the kind yeah. of the, the normal medical stuff. And then you mm -hmm. told me about neurofeedback 
And yeah. I don't know if you remember my eyes getting about this wide <laughs> because <laughs> we've interviewed several people over the years about neurofeedback here on the show. And mm -hmm. it's a fascinating topic. And especially yeah. given the level of stress that Lyme patients and other chronically ill patients go under, it's, it's the post-traumatic stress, right? It's the cell danger response. However you want to frame it, it's their brains get stuck and something like neurofeedback can kind of nudge it back to normal functioning. So tell us why you're bringing this, why you're bringing this into the practice. You can tell why I think you're bringing it in, but why are you bringing it to the practice and what you're hoping to see? And, and have you started with patients yet? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so I, I've had my eye on neurofeedback for a while, but um, a lot of times at conferences, they will bring um, vendors in that have these uh, complementary therapies that can help patients with their care. And at the last ILADS meeting, which is in, uh, was in November, um, I kept coming back to the system that was called ClearMind. And uh, this ClearMind system, I just kept coming back to it because it, it just I, my instinct kept telling me this is a really important part because one of the hardest struggles we have in Lyme disease is um, getting the brain better, getting patients' emotions better, getting them calm um, because the stress is, is tremendous. But, you know, this system fascinated me because it's not just limited to Lyme patients, but it's limited. It's, it's expansive, actually, to a lot of different brain disorders and different uh, diseases that can affect the brain. So, you know, traumatic brain injury, um, autism, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, migraines, so, and then also Lyme. So, you know, the true test was sitting there and having it done. So I had my brain mapped, and then I actually had a few sessions while I was there at the conference where we try to retrain the brain, the brain waves, and make them more in alignment with which what is considered normal function. There's different levels of functioning of the brain waves. And I found it fascinating because even in a very short period of time, I noticed a difference in how um, one perceives things, even things like colors, crispness, uh, thought processes of, of focus. Um, so I was fascinated by it. And they had very compelling stories of people having really amazing recoveries of brain function and many times permanent without using pharmaceuticals. So um, I just felt in, in the population of patients that we see, this is going to be a tremendous help. Uh, for patients, because that's one of the hardest things to get better is, um, you know, is brain abnormalities or emotional trauma, emotional issues. Yeah, it might be the key sticking point. It's the last frontier that we've made mm -hmm. so much progress with combination therapies, whether it's herbs or things like the sulfurum or the, uh, some of the other antibiotics and combinations, really w w learning what works best for biofilm, so forth and so on. Yeah. But this, this whole emotional mental component is kind of the last frontier. Mm -hmm. And how do we get in there? Because the, the, let's, let's be honest between you and me, the pharmaceutical, psychological pharmaceuticals are terrible. Mm. You know, I've got patients on them and they just, they numb at best. They yeah. create addictions at worst. And actually on worse than that, they actually cause psychosis. Um, so it's, yeah. it's, it's great to have another tool that's not. Yeah another farm, I'm going to say dangerous pharmaceutical. You don't have to say that, yeah. but I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Now, the other thing, oh, I want to pause there for a second. So 
if you're listening here and you have some questions for Dr. Putz, go ahead and type them in the comments. Now, there are mm. two rules. One, <laughs> rule number one, no COVID questions. That's <laughs> off the table. We've, that was a ground rules for, for Dr. Putz being on the show today. And I can respect that because otherwise we just, mm. it's such a topic. It's a black hole. Yeah. We don't want to deal with that. You hear <laughs> enough about that on the news. So we're not right. doing that. Number two is she's she's not your doctor, or even if she is your doctor, this is not a session with her. So you can <laughs> ask specific questions about your particular case. You can ask a general question about Lyme or about neurofeedback, something like that, but you mm -hmm. can't ask something specific. She can't answer that type of question. So she's not your doctor. This is not that type of relationship, yeah. but we've got an amazing opportunity having her here. So ask away in the comments. We would I love should. to love to I'd hear like from you. I'd like to just add, though, McKay, that COVID was, we were just on the cusp of starting ClearMind in our office. And when the COVID um, issue came about, um, we since it's not an essential service, we haven't rolled it out yet. But we're hoping that once everything settles down, we'll be starting to do ClearMind in our office. Excellent. I'll okay. be first in line, first <laughs> in the chair. <laughs> okay. So first is actually a comment. And from Margaret Leon Smith, just saying that she's very appreciative mm -hmm. of the Stram Center and your practice. And Thank she's you. glad to hear you at the annual line conference in Binghamton. They canceled that. I was going to be the MC there yeah. this year and mm -hmm. they canceled that. Um, so it's, it, again, people are just, I'm appreciative. I know other people are too. And the next is from Jennifer Shea. Mm -hmm. So she met you at ILADS in Boston mm -hmm. yeah. and is wondering if you use disulfiram in your practice. Yeah. Since that conference, actually, since we received more data on that with Dr. Liegner shared some compelling information and Dr. Horowitz has also compiled a good amount of information, I have started using it. Um, so I have um, so far only one patient on it, but many people asking. Um, so I think it, it's, it's a little tough to get people through because of the uh, issue with not having any alcohol at all in their diets. And it could be even a very small amount that could be problematic. So patients that are on herbals, it can be very difficult to merge that in. Mm -hmm. But I do feel it's a very promising treatment and we are doing it. Um, so yeah, we, we're seeing consultations for it. I attended the Environmental Health Symposium online mm -hmm. conference this weekend, mm -hmm. and they were talking about a few cases in which there were some funny uh, mold or yeast overgrowths. So the body was endogenously producing alcohol, and they oh, thought yeah, some wow. of the negative some of the negative reactions for the disulfiram was actually endogenous alcohol produced by yeast, wrong kind oh. of yeast in the gut. Isn't that amazing? Wow. That is yeah. amazing. Yeah, amazing. so the okay. things you don't even think about. Mm -hmm. This is a softball question, but I actually had the same question. So, Brenda, yeah. thanks for asking it. How does the thing work? <laughs> so, so basically, ClearMind is um, quantitative electroencephalography, which means that if you can imagine like an EEG machine where you have these leads or um, wires going to the scalp area, but without invading the scalp. So you ha actually have like a little cap. It's a, it's a cap that has these little round metallic sites where you inject some uh, gel and then you put the leads 
into um, designated areas that correlate with different lobes of the brain. And these leads are then attached to a laptop computer and the brain waves are then, um, the, the wave frequencies are basically put through the computer from your brain. Um, there is a session where you have your eyes closed, a session where your eyes are open. And these brain waves are then um, filed and saved, and then they are compared to what is considered normative brain waves. Okay, so they have a population of patients and a database um, that compares your brain waves to what normative would be. And then it also can compare the brain waves to different um, conditions of the brain. So what a brain wave condition would look like if a person has anxiety or depression or brain injury. And um, that's called a brain mapping. Okay. And so once the brain mapping is done, this pretty incredible system can not only show if there are metabolic issues that may interfere with training your brain that need to be corrected first, uh, but it also gives you a list of herbals or supplements that can help your brain to recover from uh, various symptoms. And then the step beyond that is it gives you protocols, actual protocols for retraining the brain waves using this pulsatile light that you put glasses on in different session than the brain mapping. And with these pulsatile frequencies, it retrains your brain to have the the frequency of the waves that would be more conducive to health and well-being of the brain and help your cognitive function, help balance your emotional function. And can the amazing thing I think is is the permanency in many patients, which I it is just incredible. Like even if you look at pharmaceuticals, when is it permanent where you can get off the pharmaceuticals yeah. and recover brain function? Yeah, never. Right. Never. So right. That's a, that that's question. incredible. So basically, you sit in a chair and you watch flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, and you do need to do these um, tw at least twice a week okay. for several sessions. So there's a range depending on the the issue that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So some patients get a lot better after 20 sessions. Some require up to 60. So wow. there is a there is a variation in there. Mm -hmm. So it depends on how stuck your brain is. That's right. right. Okay. Next question. Does the neurofeedback work at any point in the disease? I assume we're talking about Lyme disease, or is it more effective once your body brain has healed some? I, th I think to answer that question overall, I do believe it would be something to be used once there's some healing that goes on with the body and brain. And honestly, if you, if you decide to get the brain mapping done really early on, it, it will tell you if you're not ready for the brain training. It'll tell you if the metabolic issues have to be corrected first. Wow. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. So Julie says she had neurofeedback before she got a Lyme diagnosis and got diagnosed with, I'm assuming she means post-concussion syndrome at the time. And mm -hmm. that's the eye movement training, which I find my patients have had lots of success with that. Mm -hmm. um, so inter interactive metronome and other therapies, and so I think we, we talked about what therapies to use in neurofeedback. So you use this clear mind device. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Gretchen says she's stone sober and would like to try Desilfrom. Well, call Dr. Poots. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> this is interesting. How can you differentiate between Lyme co-infections and things like autoimmune disease, such as lupus, fibromyalgia, so, so, right? And let's just add in mold and heavy metal toxicity yeah. and the whole, I mean, that's, that's really the gift of having somebody like you around. It's the experience. It's knowing what tests to run. Mm -hmm. It's no, I'm going to say the smell. It's like, Hmm, that reminds yeah. me of this. So maybe we ought to look here. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to answer for you, but let you answer for your, for yourself too. That it that is a challenging part of what we do. I think it's also the fascinating part of what we do. But you know, sometimes the tests themselves do not give us the answers, and sometimes we rely on responses of, of the patient to interventions like herbs and such. But sometimes people have more than one thing going on, and and that's that's the really it's not easy. But usually we can piece it. It's a puzzle that needs to be kind of put together. Yes. Is there a national register to find certified practitioner for clear mind? Hmm. I don't know if there's a national register, but if you go onto the clear mind technology website, um, that is the place where you can find that information. Um, I was told that we're the only ones in our general area that offer the clear mind technology. Yeah. And this is from Aurora. She asks, what criteria do you use to decide when to use herbs versus antibiotics? So, um, you know, this level of functioning scale that I told you about from zero to 100% is helpful. And patients that are lower on the scale, we tend to use antibiotics along with herbs. One thing is that I like to, as an integrative practitioner, not use just antibiotics if I'm going to use antibiotics. We know from our ILADS data that herbals assist the antibiotics to work better. So they actually synergize, okay? Um, so sometimes I will use herbals only if a person, if the patient is very uncomfortable with antibiotics. And some patients just tell me, doc, I'm here. I don't talk to me about the antibiotics. I'm interested in herbal. So then it's just off the table. Other patients, I discuss the pros and cons of each. I discuss how the herbals support the antibiotics. So um, it's really an individual decision. I would say the, the patients that we really want to go with antibiotics, clearly the first time in the, you know, early on are patients that are rapidly declining, especially with neurologic or muscular issues. They don't have a lot of time in terms of being, you know, having their function. And so those patients were more likely to use even like intravenous antibiotics um, mm -hmm. rather than the herbals. The inevitable question is <laughs> clear mind covered by insurance. So um, there are insurance codes for it. So um, I believe, because we haven't rolled it out yet, I believe we would be uh, a direct pay in terms of paying us, but then could submit it with those insurance codes to your insurance company. And there's probably going to be variability in terms of which companies cover it and which do not. Okay. And here's a little technical questions. Do you see signs and symptoms that you associate with Bartonella? And then mm -hmm. what treatments are your preferred for the Bartonella infection? Bartonellaosis. How was that pronounced? Bart, anyway. Bart Bartonellaosis. Yeah. But I, we just yeah. say Bartonella, Bart. Bart. So Bartonella is a common co-infector with Borrelia burgdorferi or Lyme disease. Um, there could be some overlap with symptoms. Sometimes it can be very 
difficult to differentiate. Is this just Lyme symptoms or is there Bartonella going on? But Bartonella likes to affect the head and neck area. So many times patients will say, you know, I have headache, you know, neck pain, um, neuropsychological symptoms uh, can be seen in Lyme, but we see a lot of that with um, Bartonella. Um, we can see problems like striae or lines in the skin from Bartonella um, that look like stretch marks because Bartonella kind of chews away at the collagen in the skin. We also hear many times patients will have pain at the bottoms of their feet with Bartonella. Um, we see things that are acute psychiatric disorders with Bartonella, like I see patients with acute schizophrenic breaks, bipolar disease, um, that is from Bartonella, and you treat the Bartonella and patients get better. But there's a fine line sometimes between Lyme and Bartonella symptoms. A lot of crossover, yep. Yeah. And let's see oh, what else. And the treatments, you know, again, you could, there are herbals that target Bartonella and there are antibiotics that can target Bartonella. Yeah. This is almost a follow-up question. So do you think that you can treat Lyme and co-infections without antibiotics? Absolutely. And so I think that goes back to your, to your point. It's saying it just depends on how severe, you know, if a patient's wheeling in a wheelchair mm -hmm. and they can't walk, then you're going to treat it more aggressively than somebody who's struggling with fatigue and is working at the same time. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. What else do we have here? Oh, <laughs> are yeah. you taking new patients? We are taking new patients. Um, we are mostly now telemedicine because of the COVID situation, uh, but you can register. You go on our website and you go under our new new patient uh, patient information section and new patient, and you just fill out a registration form. If you're not sure how to do that, you can certainly call our office as well. But um, you, we are taking new patients currently. Um, so I'm seeing patients, and then I also have a physician assistant that sees patients as well. Aurora, will you type the website address in the comments while we're waiting here, kind of for the last question or two? I'd appreciate that. Thank mm -hmm. you. And I think that might be it. So I do, I do have one question. Right now, the telemedicine laws because of COVID have been relaxed. Are right. you allowed to practice out of state at this current time or is it still uh, confined to your practice confined to New York state? Um, that's a good question. And I believe because New York state has loosened its regulations on that used to be, you had to see a patient in person, um, for the first session because of this emergency going on, we are able to do an initial session on telemedicine, which is nice. And so I have patients from out of state. I, you know, so that is possible. Eventually, once everything changes and we get hopefully back to as close as normal as possible, um, we then will be seeing patients in person. Ideally, when a person's on antibiotics, I like to see them at least in person every other visit um, for, for safety reasons, examining them and so forth. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Time. You've been an amazing guest. You've helped a lot of people tonight, and I know you're helping people every day. Thank you for moving back home and not being attracted to the bright lights of Boston or New York City or someplace warm like Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> so thank you for being here. And really, we're in a hotbed. I mean, you're 
just just in your neighborhood in Chittenango, just at yeah. the state park. I always forget the name of the state park. Just yeah. a couple miles away is one of yeah. the hotbeds of Green lime Lakes. in the country. Green Lakes, yeah. yeah. It's just mm -hmm. there's streets where everybody on the house has had Lyme mm -hmm. disease. It's just yeah. truly amazing. So, just so you know, we also do see patients with acute tick bites. So if you're having difficulty getting into your primary care, we can remove the tick and we can evaluate you uh, quickly. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's bring Aurora back up. Hello, Aurora. Hello. That was and awesome. It was great. And just to uh, – uh, my cat is hanging around, so if you see a tail poking into the camera, um, that's where it's coming from. Uh, but So just, just hang on. We're seeing about a 1,000 comments. I'm just going to pop them up. And people <laughs> are just saying, thank you, Dr. Pooch. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Green Lakes are correcting me. Thank you, Janet. Thank you. Thank you. Just on and on with the thank you. So, Dr. Poots, thank you so much. Whoops, we just lost Aurora. <laughs> Maybe she'll log back on. So, she lost her connection. Maybe the cat pulled the wire. So, if she doesn't come back on in the next second or two, whoop, here she is. You're back. Sorry. That's all right. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> all right. So, I was wrapping up. But yes. so do you have, what was your biggest takeaway from listening to Dr. Poots? My biggest takeaway is this treatment sticks with you. It's the neurofeedback, the clear mind. permanent changes. Yes. Um, Does it make you want to go and take it yourself? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, like, I want to go Lyme disease, get my mind straightened out. Right. But Lyme disease creates so many brain patterns as it is like permanent patterns and in, in your body and in your brain that to have a therapy that can literally hack into that system and say no no we're going to be thinking this way we're going to cre be creating neural pathways this way towards a healthy brain or towards a healthy body instead i just this therapy is so amazing to me. And I'm so glad that Dr. Poots was able to come in and explain more of it because it's, it's just a phenomenal therapy. You know, one of the things I'm rabbit holes I'm going down is the relationship between the immune system and sleep and how they're directly intertwined and they influence each other. One of the main things happens when you get sick with Lyme and some of the co-infections is you can't sleep anymore. Your sleep, your ability to sleep is just wrecked. So you're falling asleep during the day and you're awake all night or you're tired all the time and getting the brain waves back together can begin to recreate a normal sleep pattern. So it's just, again, so exciting for this. All right, Aurora, let's wrap things up. And as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete without, hang on one second, wait, wait for it, wait for it. The Lime Ninja Fact of the day. Fact of the day. <laughs> All right. You like that? I did like that. Did you know a ninja can pour a pancake so thin it only has one side? That's it.
Lyme Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lyme Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lyme Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lyme Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.